uh, our dear friend, Pastor Isaiah, who has been here many, many times and, and always deliver something to us that we can hold on to in times like this. So, uh, church, I just want you to really prepare, prepare your notes, prepare your hearts to really receive the word. And uh, I just want you to welcome Pastor Isaiah as he comes forward to, with a give, great, great welcome. NBC, welcome. All right. Appreciate uh, uh, thank you so much. Appreciate the welcome. Appreciate, again, the time of worship. Uh, this time around, I'm behind a box, and I hope that, uh, that God is not boxed up too. Amen? Amen. He's the God that is that had torn the veil into two, you know, and have every access, though I have no access to you guys, okay? But nevertheless, no, I will not feel boxed up. Uh, at the same time, you know, let us uh, come to the word, to the Lord with the word of prayer, and I believe with all my heart today, God will inspire you. God has a word for your family, and God has a word for your spouse, and even work for you, a word for you specifically today. I believe that this word is going to encourage you to look at life differently, even at this time of constraint and uncertainty. But yet again, God is in control, amen? So let us pray, and let us go to God today and ask God to anoint this word. Father, we thank you, God, for your precious word. We pray today as we look into your word, we pray that you will inspire, build, Lord, tear down things that is in our life that needs to be removed, Lord. And to today, the best of all that you have for us, Lord, the best that you have for all our family, Lord, the best that you have in our future, Lord, will be made known and will be truly embodied in us so that the kingdom of God, Lord, will be seen in us and, Lord, will be displayed through us, Lord, and the life of many will be impacted. We thank you. We honor you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody here say amen. amen. Those of you at home say amen with me. You know, today I want to talk to you about bringing out the best. Bringing out the best. I believe that there is something that is powerful when we know this revelation and truth from the scripture that God wants the best out of us. You know, I love this. You know, one of the, one of the, the thing that growing up uh, as a Christian that I had and the privilege of was to get hold of this particular band. There is an Indonesian band called Giving My Best. I love it, right? I love it those days, you know, when Sydney was not so famous, right? Not so famous, you know, as singing the Dias, no, not Dias Anggo, okay? Mengejar hadirmu, you know, those days, right? You know, and it was a band called Giving My Best. And I love the, the, the band, the name of the band, because simply because that's what our life is all about, giving God our best. And today I want to look into the scripture and I want to give us principle that we can bring out the best in our spouses. We can bring out the best in our uh, relationship with our children. We can bring out the best in our relationship at work and people who are believers and unbelievers because there are principles here in the scriptures that are going to help us bring the best out of one another. Everybody say See, Hebrew chapter 12, verse, uh, verse 23 to verse 24 is a very famous scripture. And this is a scripture that we always use for, to ask people to gather together. Those of you at home, if you have never been to service all this while, it's time for you to come back and gather. Okay? But nevertheless, the scripture tells us this in verse 23 and verse 24. It says, Let us hold unswaveringly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. The Bible started with this promise that God is faithful. He established this truth that God is faithful. All His promises that He made to you and your family, to one another, is faithful. Amen? But I want you to look at verse 24, where the Bible says, let us consider how we may spur 
Today, tonight, my favorite team is playing against Man City. Okay, pray for my team. My team's name is Spurs. Okay, without the air, I mean, but the scripture, you, Bible verse uses spur without the, the, the word S in front of it. Okay, so to spur one another towards love and good deeds. Interestingly, the word spur here is the word, let us, cons- I mean, the, the thing is this, the scripture start with, for us to first consider. Look to, at one another and says, would you consider? Look to your neighbor, look to the person beside you and say, would you consider? See, the word consider here in the scripture talks about for you to take time to evaluate. My question to you is, when was the time that you evaluate and when, when is the time that you consider one another? Okay, apart from that, the scripture uses the word spur, and the word spur here is the word in Greek, the word parakosmos, which actually is a form of two words joined together, which mean uh, something sharp uh, that is poked to another person. If I can use this word, it's a holy jab. So I want you to give a holy jab to the next person beside you. Just give them a jab and says, I'm giving you a holy jab, a spur, so that the best of you can come out. You see, the Bible says that when we gather, is there's one thing together. Is the reason why we gather, the scripture says, that is to force so that we can give each other holy jab, to encourage, to bring out the best that is in us. Everybody say? Imagine with me, a cowboy. You know, we all can imagine a cowboy, right? We have seen many of these uh, uh, Western movies. And the cowboy will, have, will, will always wear a boot and you know, they have this hat. But behind the boot is what we call a spur. Okay? You know, and a spur is used to hit on the horse so that the horse would respond will be encouraged, will listen to whatever the master is trying to say. And what happens is when you spur the, the horse, the horse moves faster or the horse go where it's supposed to go. Likewise, I want you to know this morning, God wants to give you a holy jab. He wants to spur you and He wants to, you to spur your spouse. He wants you to spur your children. He wants you to spur your colleague. He wants you to spur the church so that together the best or the best that God has in us can come out. Can we, and likewise, we can give God our very best. Amen? There are three things I want to share with you this morning because for the lack of time, three, three key principles that will bring out the best in others. Three, I know, three key principles. And this is found in the parable of the talent. Parable of the talent. It's found in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14 to verse 19. And I'm going to share with you three principles that will help you bring out the best in one another. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to verse 19. The Bible says, again, everybody say again. Because Jesus was talking about something else, okay? And again, he says, it will, it will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servant and trusted his wealth to them. Verse 15 says this, To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, of, two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey, verse 16, the man who had received five bags went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Verse 17, and so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the one who has received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And verse 19 says, after a long time, everybody say long time. The master of those servants returned and settled account with them. 
I want you to know that this is just not about making money, okay? This parable is not about God coming to you and saying, oh, you got to make money. But it's about potential. It's about talent. It's about what God has promised to, to do in you and with you. It's a, it, the, the parable talks about the things that God has deposited and, and trusted in your life. And how, at, at the end of the day, it's our job to take the principle that is in this parable and become fruitful. Become people who will multiply what God has put in our hearts. I want to share with you three principles, three, 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 three key principles to bring out the best out of someone. To bring out the best in your spouse. To bring out the best in your family. Number one, the key principle here is this. Accept their uniqueness. If you want to bring out the best in people, in, you want to bring the best in the church, you want to bring the best in your family or in your children, you got to learn to accept their uniqueness. Uniqueness. Accept their uniqueness. Interesting, the Bible says in verse 15, it says that after he distributed the bags, one five, the other two, and one another one, the Bible says this, each according to their ability, then he went on his journey. You, we must accept that our abilities and our capabilities are different and at differing levels. We are all different. Each of us has unique strengths and weaknesses. We have to accept that. Interestingly, I did a strength finder skill on my, my, my life. Okay, the 36, I think 36 of them, strength finder. And I realized this, you know, I have some coaches in my life and, you know, some friends who are coaches and they really wanted to see my result. So they said, could you send me a copy of your 36 of, of your strength finders? And they laugh after looking at it. They literally laugh. Okay, I'm a pastor. But my number one to 10 gift, of course, this is not entirely true. Doesn't mean that I don't have it, okay? But this is something that you need to understand about me, okay? When, he, when I submitted to them my, my list of 36 strengths, they found out that number 36 is empathy. You know, I said, but you're a pastor. You know, at 36 is empathy. That's not that I don't have, but it's something that I need to work on. My biggest strength is strategic if you talk to me for a little while, you will find out that I, I think very differently. My 1 to 10 strength is either I'm in strategic in my thinking or I'm, I'm influential if, when I, I use my influence to bring change. So these are my strength, 1 to 10. And my relational gift only starts at verse, in number 11. And this class, they, you know, they are coaches, they are professional coaches, and they laugh and they say, Wow, Pastor, I just got one advice to you. You know, you just need to be more aware. Get about things. What, but the thing is this, we all need to accept our strength. The reason why I'm strong in what I'm doing is because I, maybe where I am, I'm needed in that area capacity. And that is something that I, I need to be. I need to be strategic. And I found out that we are all different. If you sit down in the boardroom with all the board members, we are all different. Some people are more pastoral. Please, lah, don't do that. The other person, no, we need to chop. You please need to chop. You know, the other people says, no, you know, it's more uh, different. Okay? They look at things. We need to pray. You know? And there are many, many different varieties of personality. Different. The truth is this. None of us are the same. No twins are the, the same. Every twins are different. No handprints are the same. No eyeballs are the same, by the way. And the Bible tells us that all of us are different in many, many ways. It's of great importance to bring out the best in all of us that we need to accept our uniqueness. Everybody say? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to verse 6 says this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Let me just repeat. Gifts, service, working. All same God, but all different. Can you imagine? We need to accept that. I have three children, three wonderful daughters. My eldest is sec one, my youngest is primary one. And they are all different in their uh, behavior, all different. You know, the first one, I don't need to worry. My second one, I need to scold most, most of the time because she's not moving. You know, she's paralyzed in the morning. She'll look at the toothbrush, the toothbrush will look at her. That's it. <laughs> my second one is, is, I mean, she has a disability. I mean, she's, she has ADHD, you know, and she tends to lose focus very easily. They are all uniquely different, but they are all gifted in a very different way. The question at the end of the day is this, we need to stop comparing. We live in a culture where we compare everything. We compare everything from clothes, cars, homes, the great average of our children, the income that you have every month. They, we live in a constant comparison you know, to one another. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that when God gave them their talent, He gave them accordingly based on what is their capacity and based on what is their ability. That doesn't mean that the one that has five is better than the one that has one. That doesn't mean that the one that has one that is, 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 uh, you know, is not capable to become five. It's not. It's just based on the way we are wired, the way that we have created, and the call and the promises that God has for our life. Albert Einstein put it in this way. Everybody's a genius. But if you judge a fish by the ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. You've never seen a fish climb a tree before, right? Maybe have like the swamp, you no know, small fish. But you never really see a, a shark climbing up a tree. You know, if he cannot climb the tree, basically you think that the, the shark is stupid. But that's not what he's created to be. Einstein says, the question I have for you at this point in your journey together is this. What is your genius? What is your genius? I found out that my kids have different geniuses. You know, my second one is genius, amazing. She, she has the ability to read books, you know, more books than I think I have. She can read a book, you know, a couple of books in a day. Just flip, 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 flip. Well, I can tell you the whole story. That's how a genius she is. My first one is genius in a in very different way. She's very responsible. She picks up things very fast. My youngest one is genius in another way. Maybe she loves how to eat. That's why she's growing very fast. You know, but they're all different, different geniuses. Different. Very different. And in life, it's the truth. Some of us are very coordinated person, people, right? We are very coordinated. You know, we can put, we can march properly. In the army, I realize there are some people that are uncoordinated at all. They can march with their left hand, with their left leg and their right hand with their right leg, you know, and I think it's much more difficult to do that. It's an unnatural thing to do. But some people just have that unique ability to march that way. Some people are more artistic. You know, today, while, while, while I was, was waiting to come up here, I met Steve. You know, and we were just having conversation at the coffee shop downstairs, and I realized this man is artistically, you know, blessed. I mean, he's so blessed, you know, he can just... Play anything and, you know, it, it sounds good. But you ask me, I can't play anything, you know. But the, the truth is this. Some people are just artistically, you know, talented. My wife is a, a good keyboardist and she's artistically talented. Some of us are good at numbers. Some of us are not. 
The truth is this, we can't even count one plus one. You know, we think it's 11. Okay? The, and the thing is, some of us are good with words. Some of us are not. I realize that I have this, this ability to speak, but some people find it very challenging to just speak a few words, but they are very good with other things. But nobody is good at everything. That's the reality. That's the truth. The scripture shares in the parable that they had different ability, different uniqueness, and we need to understand their uniqueness, and we need to accept and harness that. How do we know that whether you accept somebody? Let me just tell you this. Simple. When you don't ins insist that they become like you, or you uh, and, and you don't allow them to be themselves. That's how you don't accept their uniqueness. So many today try to make carbon copies of themselves. You know, carbon copy. We just try to photostep ourselves. And we call that discipleship. The truth is this about discipleship is not creating people in our image. Amen? We are not creating people in our image. We are creating people in God's image to become like Jesus, not become like us. But the problem is this. We think that becoming like us is the way to go. So we impose us instead of God in them. You know, and we, in a way, discredit their uniqueness, unwilling to accept who they are, and they grew up becoming who they are not. And they will never become their best. You need to accept their uniqueness. Number two, the, script, the scripture says that you need to trust them with responsibility. Not only accept, accepting is the beginning, but you need to trust with responsibility. Verse 14 says this, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servant and entrusted his wealth to them. The word entrusted is to put into someone's care or protection. It's interesting that we, uh, you know, that we don't trust people enough. And the Bible says here that the, the master entrusted, trusted his wealth, trusted these people with what he has. And I believe that in our life, God entrusted a lot of things, promises. God entrusted talents as we discover ourselves. There are things in our life that we need to be entrusted. I mean, as we're being entrusted with, you know, we need to be responsible with it. That's why I say you cannot just trust people, but you must trust people with responsibility. You know, I remember growing up uh, in church when my first, first time someone came to me or my senior pastor came to me, the church that I grew up in, and my senior pastor came to me and says, I want to bring you, to, I want to send you to Bible college. And I remember that there was a unhappiness in some camp. Some of the leaders felt that I wasn't ready. Some of the leaders felt that, you know, he's, you know he, he won't make it. Lah. He won't make it to be a pastor. But I thank God that my senior pastor trusted me. You know, and says, at 18 years old, we'll send you to the first Bible college for you to have a taste of what seminary will be next time. Okay? Just go for a short course. I entrust you and I hope that you will do well. That was something that he entrusted me to. Of course, I remember some of the pastors was not happy, went to the room and says, why, why you entrust him? But the thing is this, I thank God that my senior pastor just not entrust me, but he gave me some responsibility as he entrusted me. Certain way I should behave, certain way I should, what I need to do. Just not go to Bible college, right? You need to do well in your Bible college. You need to study. You need to carry yourself well. And all these things was part of the responsibility I carry as I go to the Bible college. But thank God, 
for his belief in me. Because of that, I am who I am today. What if someone never entrusted with you anything, anything? Cannot even wear your own clothes, must ask somebody wear clothes for you. You know, food also cannot cook. You know, because why someone cook for you? Trust me, the day you leave your home, you will be in panic mode. Because why? You never wear clothes on your own, never wash your clothes, you never clean the house, you never cook for your own, own, own self. Then what happened? All your life, you are protected because you are never entrusted to do something for yourself. I love it. During the COVID, my daughter... See, my wife don't like... My wife... My, my wife... Okay, my wife don't like to cook. Okay? My wife don't like to cook. And that's the truth. She, she doesn't. You know, that was part of our marriage uh, agreement. Okay? She said, I don't cook and I don't, don't intend to cook. And, you know, I don't wish to learn how to cook. You know? And that was it. Okay, that's, you want to marry me? Marry me. Okay, okay, fine. Great. Awesome. I have an eldest daughter, you know, who, who's willing to try new things. And she looks at some YouTube and they just go and she's never cooked before. Turn to my wife, turn to her. Okay, I want to cook for the family. I was like, okay, sure. So the papa will tell her where to get the things and you just, she will just cook. Ever since then, you know, she has taken on this responsibility when we are too busy or we have no time to go and buy food and things like that. She said, ah, never mind, I'll cook for the family. It started with, okay, the chances of her burning, out, burning down the house is high. <laughs> but nevertheless, you know, we will be eating raw food because she has never touched the stove before. But nevertheless, we will entrust her to the kitchen with the guidance of the papa. But, you know, but after a while, she kicks the papa out of the kitchen. He says, this is mine. So when I want to cook, I want to cook it my way. And she refused to hear. And then she starts cooking. And interestingly, even from her first cooking, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. So today, whenever she cooks, it means healthy food. Quinoa, you know, all the... I, I feel like I'm becoming a rabbit, you know, <laughs> eating all the rabbit food in the name of the Lord, you know. But that's what trust brings out. Trust brings out the best in people. In this parable, is a good ratio uh, to look into, okay? There are three people. Two out of three succeeded because someone trusted them. And I want you to know, trust will multiply fruitfulness. Trust will bear fruit. Trust will make the people believe that they can do it because you trust and you give them a responsibility to do it. And I think that church sometimes needs to be more trusting. Sometimes we need to be more trusting. You know, we give someone a role. You know, we help them if they need our help. We give them all what is needed, but we also trust them for them to flourish. I realize that young people have more great ideas than we do. You know, I, I realize that sometimes we just need to listen to the children. The children help us to imagine things that we stop imagining after we grow up. And trusting them and realize that they can do much more, faster, greater. Of course, they still need us, lah, you know. But someone, a child psychologist by the name of, uh, a child well-known professor who writes on family by the name of Howard Hendricks, he says this. He spoke to thousands of parents, thousands of them. And he came to this conclusion, you know, that most parents say that if he, they had to do it all over again, what they would do is they would do less for the children and ask them to do more for themselves. And what happened is this, at the end of the day, 
they will grow up to be people who are more self-reliant and God-reliant and they will produce much more. Trust. To bring out good in your wife and husband, you know, your wife, uh, her wife to husband, learn to trust your husband. Lah. Okay? Don't check his phone all the time. My wife doesn't do that. Okay? <laughs> if you're doing that, repent after this. Okay? Trust. Trust. Trust your kid. Just put perimeter responsibility. Yes, you can go out, be home by this time. If they break that, then after that, then you have to coach them differently. But you need to trust them. Trust them. Trust them. Give them trust. Interestingly, Jesus entrusted the gospel to a disciple, to a group of disciples. If you know the disciple, all of them were so different in nature. They were like night and day, many of them. Different. But yet again, these ordinary fishermen, rough in their ages, come from different backgrounds, came together and was entrusted with this gospel and a commandment. Please preach this. Go wherever and preach this. And I want you to know they were very effective because they took the, the thing that was trusted to them and they took responsibility of the trust. And that's the reason why we're here this evening, uh, this, uh, this morning or the afternoon. Okay, afternoon already. This afternoon. Because someone was entrusted by the gospel Continue to take that responsibility. 2,000 years ago, Christianity is still growing because of trust. You want to bring the best out of people, best out of children, best out of your relationship in marriage. You need to learn to trust with responsibility. Last but not least is this, expect the best from them. Verse 19 says, After a long time, the master of those servants returned. Settle accounts with them. The word here is an accounting word that God was meticulous with all the things that He's given and entrusted. And God here is doing His accounts. He says, I give you this, what are you doing with it? I give you time, what are you doing with time? I give you this talent, what are you doing? I give you provision, what are you doing with that provision? God expects you to do the best out of what He has given to you. They all had different abilities. They all delivered this differently. But I want you to know something, that whatever that was given to them, God expect an account for it. But the thing is this, at the end of the day, it's not about the amount. It's about the faithfulness. See, five had five more, but the word at the end of that was simply the same for the five the two, and even the one, if he was faithful in growing that one, I believe with all my heart, God would say the same thing. Good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. See, I want you to know, God didn't say, oh, for that one, I give one, but I only expect 0.5 return. You know, of all that five, maybe 4. Uh, three lah, four point three five lah. Just, just I expect that kind. Of, no, but God was looking for the best out of them. You see, we are all different. We are all different in ability. We're different in in things. But what God was trying to say in this parable was simply this, guys. What I expect from you is fruitfulness. What I expect for you is faithfulness. What I expect from you is this: that you give your best. And because you give your best, I expect the best that I put in you to come forth. And here is the word of the Lord 
and he came, he's expecting the best. He's not like, ah, I know you, I know you, I gave one, I knew you would fail, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. No, he was expecting. He came to the one just like he came to the five. He came to the five just like he came to the two. Expecting the best outcome for everyone. There was a Harvard psychologist by the name of Robert Rosenthal. He published a study that is very famous. I think some people quote it, misquoted, and, and do what, what basically the whole study is this. He got a group of students from kindergarten all the way to about P5, you know, in America, and he put them all in a class, all in a class. They were randomly picked. They were all in the class. And as that study goes on, what happened is this, you know, at the start of the school year, they all did an exam. And the truth is this, they all had different results. They all had different uh, scoring. And then all of a sudden, the next year, they brought the same group of students. And what they did was this, they just grouped the students and, and start labeling them, put them in different classes. So one of the class, you know, not, and they were picked randomly, not based on what their academic was, randomly. So to this class group of people, you know, all of a sudden he put the label and they tell the teacher, say, teacher, this class is the high achievers, high achievers. They are the A student of the school. They are the high achievers. So they, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, these people were grouped together. And then there were a group of people that were, you know, these were average. They were not high achievers. But what I want you to know is this. They found out something changed that whole year, that following year. See, you must understand the high achiever group were made up of people randomly. They were not put there because of their, their, ex, uh, their, their excellent paper that they did last year. It wasn't. It was just random, random group of people. Some of them failed, flung, the whole thing. But nevertheless, they were put in a group. But after a year, you know, they did the same test that they did the previous year. And what happened was this high-achieving group okay, started to excel, and many of them were high-achieving. And, you know, and they found out that at the end of the day, nothing changed. Nothing changed. The students were still the same student, but there was only one thing that changed. That was their teacher. When the teacher realized that the student was, I mean, this, the teacher was taking a class that was high achieving, her attitude towards the student changed. All of a sudden, the teacher became, you know, uh, more, I mean, had more expectation and their tone of voice, their facial expression, their touch and their posture towards this student totally changed. Totally changed. Because why? No longer calling them stupid, lazy. No longer calling them. All of a sudden, oh, you. Oh, this is, wow. You know, you're amazing. You're a genius. You're great. You know, everything about them changed. And what came out of that was a whole group of people that excel beyond even their own capability. What does that tell us? It tells us this, to nurture confident kids or to, you know, to, to have a, I mean, to, to have or uh, to bring out the best in our spouses and our colleagues or even in our organization. One of the things that is important is the way we expect in the way we communicate to one another. We expect healthily. We expect in the way we approach you know, suddenly change. You know, I, I don't know about you, but have you ever have this biasness because you know that this guy is always underperforming and when you approach that person, you always approach them in a certain way, like very, you always look down on them or the way you talk is very rude because you didn't expect anything from them. But what if you change and to everyone you expect 
in the same manner that God was expecting of His servant. Faithfulness, gratefulness, you know, that, that the way and when God did that, what happened is he, at the end of the day, it changes everything. I believe expecting the best from people comes from our understanding from, of how God looked at them. Because if you expect the best out of them, means you value the God-given value that God has on that particular person. The talent, the uniqueness that who the person is. And I believe that with all my heart, you know, we need to learn how to see people not from our limited perspective, but from the eyes and the lenses of Christ. We might not see. The truth is this, you live with your children long enough and you will find out that every time, your children is always not good enough. Everybody is better, better. Have you ever grown up in that environment before? I have, right? Our parents, you know, in those days, we start comparing. Ah, you, your neighbor, ah, your auntie, auntie, you never hear who the auntie is, but your auntie, auntie, grand auntie, you know, uh, children, do better than you. But what if we change the way we look at one another? Wow, and say this, I look at you, I know there's the best in you. I know God can, I mean, God has something that He's put in your heart. That is the best. And I expect the best or whatever that God put in your heart to come forth. I never expect my oldest daughter to become a pastor. I never, never, never cycle her from the time that she was born. Pastor, 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 pastor. No, I never. Interestingly, all we do is that be the best that we want to do. Interestingly, my oldest daughter loves Chinese. And she's not even Chinese, right? She's half Chinese, but not, not Chinese. And she loves the Chinese language. She has a flair for the Chinese language. She's taking higher Chinese and she's doing very well in her language. Interesting. Interesting. And I asked her, why? What do you want to do? Because I always hear you converse with mommy and you always say this, you know, you know that you cannot speak Chinese. You cannot speak Chinese. And I think that I, if I'm good at Chinese then I can help interpret for you when you need to speak in Chinese. When you preach, I interpret for you, like Daddy. I was like, wow. She's only sec one and she was speaking like that when she was in primary four or five. I was like, not too bad. I never expected her, but she's linguistically strong. So I told her, I said, why not you pick another, another language? She says, Daddy, which language? If, well, I, I, what I know is that if you can speak German... Fluently German. Her name, by the way, is German. She's, her, her name is Gretchen, so it's German in nature. I says, if you can speak German, it would be great because why? By the time you graduate, you can get a German scholarship. And if you can speak German fluently, the German government gives free university for those of whoever who meets the grade and speak perfect German. I said, okay, daddy, I'll pick German up. So, wow, thank God. No need to pay for university, you know. <laughs> Can you imagine, can you imagine if you expect the best in your children, what would be the return? Can you expect the best in your spouses? What would be the return? When you look at your bosses and you expect, instead of always looking and complaining, expect the best that come out of them. You don't know what the return will be. Can you imagine bosses here in this room and back home that if you expect and look at it from the eyes of the lenses of, of God upon, among your staff, would you think 
that the best out of them will come forth. Would you think so? I think that God looked at the five and the three and the one the same. Because in them, and as they were distributing the talent, God knew, He entrusted them, that the best out of them can come forth. Because He expected, and after their long journey, He expected to hear good things because He was expecting them to do good things. This morning, let me share you another secret. The moment you learn how to bring out the best in people, what will happen is this, the best of you will come forth too. It was William Arthur Watts who says this. He says that when we seek to discover the best in others, we somehow bring out the best in ourselves. When we try to bring the best out of people, we somehow bring out the best in us. Because if you bring the worst in you, you will never expect the best out of people. But if you bring the best to people, what will happen is the best of them will be brought to you. This morning, Pastor, what are we talking about? Because my, my heart and my desire is that all of us will give God our best. And we will learn to bring the best out of the people around us. Can you imagine if this church is filled with people who are giving their best? Not only in, in your serving, but in your giving, in your loving, in your doing the work of the ministry. What will be the outcome of it? I think we will have the best church that we can ever imagine in our hearts and in our mind. This morning, can I invite you to stand to your feet as we come to a close. As Steve come and play, I want to pray for all of us. I think one of the things that is my heart, and i so sad, but it's the Asian culture that we have, that we want to break in Jesus' name. It's this spirit of comparing. Even with pastors, sometimes when we sit down, the first thing that we do is we compare how big our church is. We compare how big our car is. True lie. I drive Bicha. Okay, that's... <laughs> it doesn't, ma- doesn't matter. We, we compare where our children go to school. Trust me, even with pastors. Ah, neighborhood school. Ah. What's wrong with neighborhood school? MOE say every, good, every school is good, man. We need to break the power of comparison. If there's anyone that we should compare with, let's put ourselves beside Jesus and compare how short and fallen we are and how great and magnificent He is and how in our hearts we want to be more like Him. It's the prayer of John the Baptist. It says that He must increase that I might decrease. It's the prayer of my heart that Jesus is more and Isaiah is less. So it's my prayer this morning. First of all, those of you back home here in this place, to bring out the best, we need to break the power of comparison. Stop comparing. If you're married, don't compare. The fact that your wife is with you, that's the best that God has given to you. Get angry only start comparing. You know, uh, you know this person uh, never talk to me like that one. Because uh, you're not married to that person. 
So the moment you marry to that person, you realize that the person say things that, huh? Why you say this kind of thing? It's different. It's just different. It's just different. I always tell young couples, before married, everything sweet, honey, you know. But the day you get married, you realize, huh? Like that. Work on it, lah. Don't compare. Work on it. The truth is this. The truth is this. When we learn to stop comparing, we start becoming and bringing out the best one another. Would you lift up your hands that I pray for this, that God will break the spirit of comparison. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, whether back home or in this place, break every spirit of comparison. Whether we are comparing because we are better or whether we are comparing because we need to, to point to a person who we think is better. Lord, I pray, break that in our hearts that we will not compare like the world compare. For God, our comparison is only with Christ Jesus. Day by day, we will learn to be more like you, Lord. We pray that you put this in our hearts that we will learn how to carry our crosses. Whenever this spirit of comparison comes up again, Lord, that we will remember the only comparison we have is to the cross of Jesus Christ. The only comparison we have is the Lord who sits on the right hand of our Father in heaven. Father, in Jesus' name, break uh, this spirit, this carnality out of your church, Lord, that the spirit of Christ will bring unity and bring forth the uniqueness of every person in this, this room. The second prayer I have is this for you. I sense this in my spirit and I will declare this, that God is about to bring a uniqueness in His body in this church like you've never seen before. You know, you might be of a different ethnicity. You might be of different social standing. But God is going to bond this church together. You know, because why? That's His heart. That's His desire. Psalms 1.3 says, when there is unity, He bestows His blessing. And God wants to increase His presence in this place. He wants to increase His power in this place. He's going to demonstrate His power in this church like never, never before in the area of provision, in the area of vision. God is not only going to provide, but God is going to give and enlarge your vision of your church, Pastor. And I believe it is all because there is unity in the house. And God's going to remove every wall of classes, mindset, or biasness, and out of the diversity of the uniqueness of everybody, the Holy Spirit is going to bring a great unity. And there He will bestow His blessing upon this church for expansion, for enlargement, for growth, for change. So I pray in the name of Jesus, I release this, Lord, in this church. God, is a time, Lord, of great unity. In the midst of calamity, God, that you will bring your church greater in unity, that they will become a light, that they will become that word that you say, that the world will see that I am your disciple, that uniqueness and that unity that will only come from heaven. So Lord, I pray, bless every single one of them. This will be a time of great transition, but it will also be a great time of fitting to become a powerful force that you're looking for in this church. So bless them, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. 
And all God's people say, Amen. Come on, give Him praise this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Isaiah, for the great message and uh, such a blessing for all of us to receive the word. Uh, let's just close the service and uh, let's just stand on our feet. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Thank you for giving us the seed of greatness to give the talents and the ability into your church. As we are unique with one another, God, we believe, we expect, God, you do something great in our life, something great in this church, in this family, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We want to bring out the best. We want to spur one another. We want to encourage one another, oh God, to, be, to become the best that you expect us to be, Lord. We, we, we aim for faithfulness more than we aim for fruitfulness. And we know, God, you will expand we enlarge our capacity. I want to pray for everyone in this room. Let's lift up both our hands and receive the blessing from the Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, that the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and anointing will be upon all of us in this room, oh God. As we go out from this place, you bless us, oh God. With everything that we do, you make prosper us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, all God's people says, Amen, 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 Amen. God bless you and happy Sunday.